Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to The Ernest Man Show. Wherever you may be in this world. Just a quick message on how you can win a fabulous prize. After listening to an episode, simply go to my website, theearnestmanshow.com, and go to the Discuss comment section below the episode. Leave a comment. That's it. It's that simple. Within a week, if a winner is chosen, you possibly could be a winner of a fabulous prize. Okay, well, it's it's not a car or a boat, but then again, you don't have to pay any taxes on it. So, what are you waiting for? You've got a good chance, and you can say anything you like. So, that's my message. Now, let's go to the show. This is episode number 92, Food Throttling, What It Is and Where It's Happening in the U.S. Hello, everybody. It's Monday. That means, presumably, if you've tuned into this, then you've made it through another week. And you should congratulate yourself, because these are, in fact, difficult times. I am not a farmer. I know a little bit about farming, but I don't claim to be a farmer. But something came up in the news recently, and it ties in with something that I thought would be very interesting to discuss. It has to do with the water shortage in New Mexico and how there apparently is a disconnect as far as that is concerned. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. The story was about how a group of environmentalists are trying to save a certain endangered species of minnow from the river in Albuquerque, the main river, the big river. And um, the situation is that um, the Rio Grande is um, essentially dry. It is the fourth largest river. And, um, well, the take on what was going on there was pretty much what I predicted that it would be. In that there appears to be a great cognitive dissonance that is taking place that basically supersedes logic and reason. When they were talking about trying to save these minnows, which are approximately, well, as big as your pinky finger, 
and to relocate them into other areas of the Rio Grande, which only has water because that water is the reprocessed water from a sewer treatment plant. It struck me as, well, unbelievably short-sighted. Now, before I go into that aspect of it, I would like to mention that I lived in New Mexico. Several years ago, I lived in Albuquerque, and I lived there for several years. And I got to know the region and the culture pretty well. And that is the region all the way up into the southern part of Colorado in both directions, east and west. One of the things initially, having never lived in a desert community before, was how strange it was that when I went into a restaurant, there was an odd feeling and I couldn't quite place what the strangeness was. It took me four or five or six trips and getting used to this to notice what it was. And what it is, and if you've never lived there, I can tell you that this is a fact. When you go to a restaurant in New Mexico, they don't give you water. And then it hit me. Oh, the desert thing, conservation. Okay, I got it. They'll give you water if you ask for water. But they don't just give you water willy-nilly. New Mexico has done incredible things as far as conservation is concerned in the last few years. It wasn't that long ago that, um, well, basically they were consuming much more water than they currently are. And apparently what that means is that conservation efforts have paid off. So the, the usage per person has dramatically decreased. But here's the thing, and this goes back to the original story that I was reading. You see, <clears throat> no matter how much you conserve, you can only conserve so much. So then the article that I was reading, and I believe it was in the uh, Columbia newspaper from Ohio, that they were trying to explain from the various professionals, all of these professional ecologists and, and university educated uh, 
uh, techno-environmentalist people, that they were explaining that, well, if we do this over here with the Colorado, and if we do that, and going on and on and on and on and on and on, I realized that, once again, what they are proposing is a techno-solution. And here's the problem. The problem is, is that that butts heads absolutely, directly, and proportionally with reality. You can only conserve so much. It's no longer a solution that turns into an inconvenience. Then, eventually, that inconvenience turns into desperation. And that is what New Mexico is approaching. What is the answer? I know the answer. I'm going to tell you the answer. But here's the thing. Here's the hook. No one wants to hear it. And this uh, very same problem that is not only affecting New Mexico, it's also affecting the southern desert states as well, to a, a greater or lesser degree. There is a disconnect with reality. That reality is this. Are you ready? There are too many fucking people. That's what none of them will say. Perhaps not as crudely as I said it. As a matter of fact, they won't say it in any way. Because, for one thing, um, it as far as the housing market is concerned, it doesn't matter how wonderful the homes are. Now, I'm talking about when I lived there and I, I stayed in many of the cities and spent time. I was in Tucson. I was in the smaller towns to the north. And um, I got to know the place really well. And the perception, it was always the same from what I came up with, there's too many people. I don't care how nice your home is, even if it's at a rock bottom price. You come in and you turn on the tap and there's no water, it makes everything else quite meaningless. 
But the bigger point of this, as far as I'm concerned, is that this is simply symptomatic of a way of looking, or perhaps in this case, of not looking at reality that is in front of you. This region was never, let's say, designed or meant to have this many people. Now, think about this before I go into the next segment. Just say, for instance, what would happen if their water pretty much literally ran out? Then there's, of course, the whole crisis thing that would happen, and there'd be trucks of bottling in water to help people quite literally live and not die of thirst. But sooner or later, even the most stalwart optimist would look at this and say, you know what? We got to get the hell out of here. Now, I happen to live in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, I happen to live on the uh, west side. And... Um, Essentially, basically, as far as shortages, we don't have this problem. And there's a statement that I have heard from several people that I encountered who have left New Mexico, left Arizona, left California. And with all the other things that's going on, the social unrest, the homelessness, you know, the, the, the incredible fires that's going on in California. But that's not what I was hearing. As her one simple statement that was, well, I want to live someplace where there's water. So, what do you think would happen? Just try to imagine this scenario. All these people, the, the majority from these states, maybe perhaps it, it might start as a trickle, or maybe not. But they all left. They all left because, frankly, they're sick of it. Okay. All right. Where would they go? Because, for instance, where I live now, the rents, the mortgages, the home cost are, are beyond fucking ridiculous. Proportionally, forget it. 
if you are not coming to this area and you don't at least have a six-figure income, I'm talking about a person in their very late 20s or perhaps mid-30s, maybe even early 40s, maybe. If you don't have that in two you're you're in you're in big trouble if you're thinking about coming here and believing for instance that your career is just going to blossom and take off so naturally you come to the big city of of p-town portland well <clears throat> That's a good idea, except for one major factor. Guess what? Everyone else is too. And this comes back to something that I argued previously, and I'm going to say it again. It's like this. I call it the, the rabbits and the holes phenomenon. There's only X number of holes or X number of rabbits. And once you get caught up in the rental cycle, it's, it's very bad news. So as far as water is concerned, yeah, we have water problem is once again it's a matter of numbers anytime when you have people and they keep they keep coming and coming and coming and coming it's not good and predictably it doesn't fare well now as far as the conditions in New Mexico, I figured that out when I lived there. I figured this out 15 years ago because actually, and this is what they're not telling you, they have, um, they have another huge problem is that um, most of their water that they use is ground sourced so it has a a very high mineral content and uh it's it's very very hard water but they had again this was one of one of the reasons why because i saw the writing on the wall they had and 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 this came and went as a on the radar screen of the news never got major publicity but I did the research I figured it out um, we're talking 12 15 years ago but they had a major problem of jet fuel leakage from many of the Air Force facilities, which there are quite a number of, 
and their tanks were, were leaking big time. And they were leaking, and there was essentially, uh, from a cost-benefit analysis, yeah, they did a little something, fix one here, fix one there, but I'm talking about it was a huge problem, and all the jet fuel, guess where it went? That's right. Into the aquifer, into percolates down, and no one's talking about that, but yeah, and it poisons the water. So they're not even talking about that issue. Very quiet. But it's very real. So the thing is this. As I said, I'm no farmer, but I do know this. Farmers routinely, I don't know about the corporate behemoths, but farmers who are actual farmers, those that remain, those that are actually try to produce good products from good quality soil, they understand the concept that uh, fields routinely have to be left pharaoh, uncultivated, left alone. I believe they may even plant um, certain grasses. Won't exactly come to me right now uh, what that is, but that's what they do. And that is meant to enrich the soil. So you give the soil recoup time and um, because if you don't do that the mineral content and I'm talking about the multi minerals the stuff that is taken up by plants which in turn we eat and animals eat and that in turn gets into our body that keeps diminishing so Basically, much like the situation in the Midwest where you have huge monocultures of land and uh, they don't get this treatment and year in, year out, season in and season out, they are sprayed with various fertilizers, primarily an aluminum nitrate and um, so yeah, the essentially for this artificial fertilizer, the soil, it just becomes a sponge. There's nothing innately like rich soil. It's just a sun, a sponge to soak up these chemicals. So the quality of what is produced year after year, it spirals down. So I mean, visually, I mean, you could look at these things and yeah, maybe visually the corn looks great, tomatoes looks, looks great, but their actual content of the things that we need to live is very low. As for instance, compared to 
you know, organic soil, very rich soil. I'm not here to go into all that. That's an entirely separate topic. But if you look at water as a, a resource, of which of course it is, it never gets a break. Never gets a chance to really recharge. And guess what? Year in and year out, more and more people, they keep coming. And so, of course, because of this, it kind of negates any you know, conservational efforts you're doing. Those things would help. They would work if you had a static population. But they don't. Because people are conditioned to just do whatever it is the hell they want to do. That's not rational. You can't... You can't have a civilization working like that. You can have one that's in trouble. You can have one that's collapsing. And the signs of that in that region are everywhere. I'm sure, for instance, you've heard about what's going on with Lake Mead. And the symptomatology of what the hell is going on, the message could not be any clearer. Yet there's no plan. Well, I have a plan, and I'm not going to go into it with this broadcast, but I have a plan. The question is, how many people would actually be interested in it? Because again, if you have an entire society of people that are so disconnected from the realities of life and existence and unless you tell them what they want to hear well you're you're ignored and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're dealing with, it really doesn't matter if you're dealing with one crazy person who is delusional or a hundred thousand or a million. The only way it matters is that things exponentially get worse that much faster. And then 
then again, ironically, it's very same people who didn't listen, who won't listen, who refuse to listen, and then when the proverbial shit hits the fan, they all look around. Where the hell is all this crazy coming from? Well, I turn on my tap. I pay my water bill. Why? Why there no water? I'm starting to sound like one of the people out of Idiocracy. If you haven't seen that film, I strongly suggest it. Absolutely excellent. Because even their language had devolved to the point where they spoke like that. Turning on a tap. Wear water. Me no understand. Wear water. Wear water. So, to the uh, basically would be, I think, anything west of those areas towards the coast, it's, that's pretty much stitched up. So that only leaves the north heading east, primarily east, the north, and well, the northeast in a northeasterly direction. Can't go south. That's Mexico. Can't walk off into the ocean. But if you are far away, let's say, as an example, and I actually had a person named Ryan, thank you very much, Ryan, who is uh, living in Spokane, and even he was aware of this, and he said, yeah, you know, we, we have a good distance, so we have a, de a decent, here in Spokane, we have, you know, snowfall, we have water, and, you know, we have all that. We have a good buffer, a distance. We have a good buffer zone. But guess what? It's not that far. It's not like thousands upon thousands of people would not go to extremes, which is the equivalent of like walking across the Gobi Desert to survive. I mean, the people, a lot of those people fleeing Mexico for a better life in America, many of them don't make it. Many of them die. I mean, just the trek through the desert, they die. Hundreds die. So that should tell you where things really are. Now, as far as the common, I'm talking about the common communities, in all those places in that, in that region of the U.S., where are they going to go? What's going to happen? Because let me give you an example. For the last 10, 15, 20 years, as things 
continue to spiral down and get worse and worse. Not just sociologically, but from a resource point of view. Yeah, you might be you might be comfortable. Might be feeling your oats. If you live all the way in Spokane. But now there's the realization that they are coming. They are coming due to delusional thinking on mass. And ultimately, what that in fact turns into is desperation. So then you have the um, the moral question that you have to ask yourself because normally normally people socialized folks of course we're not talking sociopaths we're talking those people remaining who are normal I mean no one you know if someone's drowning you're going to try to in most cases if you can swim or if there's a means of doing it in most cases people help people that's just the way we are <laughs> this thing it's called being human but that has its limits and when it gets to the point where as you uh, may have had a huge feast of a meal and then a few more friends unexpected come and you're charming and glib oh yeah sure and you pass the plate but the point is if they would they keep coming and they keep coming and it means less and less and less of everything for everyone else to the point where no one individually can be satisfied by a meal well if we look at it in terms of again resources I would say this to those people way out there to the north to the northeast to the east where you felt comfortable you might want to think about this because you know what they're coming because of reasons I already mentioned that life that that entire contrived living standard for that region is not workable it's not sustainable based on not only not having a static population but the fact that they just keep coming not just the fact that their growth their their uh, local growth rate surpasses their death rate but the others keep coming <clears throat> I said I was going to and I will <clears throat> talk about some real viable alternatives and you know what they're not pleasant 
But here's the thing. In any overall very piss poor, really bad situation, you have to try to pick the best scenario that you can. <coughs> Regardless, what I can tell you with absolute certainty, we're talking, I don't know, three to six years, I'm guessing, at its current rate, it's going to be goddamn ugly. And you best prepare. Hey, everybody. Before I wrap things up, I just wanted to give you this little message about the contest. When you go to my website at theearnestmanshow.com and go on the comments section, you can actually leave a comment about anything you want whatsoever. After all, this show is not about me, it's about you. And I really want to know what it is you want to talk about. So please, fill something out, let me know exactly what you want to talk about, and that is exactly what we will talk about. Other than that, all I can say is, I hope you had a good day today, and I hope we all have a better day tomorrow. Take care.